Hello, welcome to another episode of Journey with Jess. I'm your host, Jessica Monge. Today is my favorite interview thus far because it is my first interview with a therapist. Also, this topic hits um, home for me. We're talking about dealing with narcissistic relationships with parents. And so we have a deep dive with therapist Melissa Leto and she's a therapist from Texas. She just has a lot to say. We covered so much information and if you need a break, take breaks as needed. It's a lot to unpack, a lot to uncover, but I do do encourage you to listen to this in entirety. And if you learn something new, let me know in emails or in the comments because I learned so much and I've had experience with a narcissistic parent in the past and I just find this this interview so fascinating and so educational. Please share this with anyone and everyone. We could completely do a whole season on this one topic alone. But without further ado, this is Jen with Jess. Okay, Melissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you doing? Doing good. Thank you so much for having me here. Of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. So my name is Melissa Leto. I'm an LPCA. I'm a counselor right now under supervision still by Richard Salcido. I'm here um, stationed in Texas. I do um, adult therapy and my focus is on trauma and anything that has to do with adults experiencing kind of that, you know, from family dynamics through inner child or any any other type of trauma that may have affected them. Awesome. And how did you like get into like this field that's very specific? I actually didn't start it, you know, when I graduated, I graduated with business. So I had become like a very high up in in the banking industry, but it was just not revealing for me, you know? And as I started to see the different types of how I could help people, I said, you know what? I have to start from scratch and just kind of, and this was important. So as I was taking courses and I was getting experience, internship, a lot of my uh, clients started to becoming adults and more here in the border town, you know, because we are crossing from Mexico. Um, Mm -hmm. The type of clientele that I saw, it was a lot of adults, you know, experiencing kind of the similar themes of struggling with their family dynamics and with the roles and stuff like that. So that's kind of kind of life put me in that position. Oh, that's amazing. I think you're doing such amazing work. I love your page and I love all the information you put out there. Thank you so much. Of course. So we're going to be talking a lot about narcissistic personality disorder and the psychoeducation on that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the criteria for that and what it is? Okay, so just like off the textbooks, you know, it's just a lot of grandiosity, just needing a lot of affirmation. When we talk about, you know, narcissistic, it's just kind of that kind of lack of empathy. It's considered a personality, you know, disorder. It's kind of like through that criteria or B, you know, but it's just a lot of importance of, of the person not to get to like textbooky, but think about the sun all the planets are around the sun, right? Mm. So it's kind of like kind of how narcissism presents a lot of having everything about them, admiration, the need of entitlement, very explosive when things are not, you know, focused on them, lack of empathy or understanding for others, very self-similar behaviors. He, He talks about, you know, the individuality of them, of everything is absorbed by them, that direction of that and just, a lot of the relationships carry very um, complex and very, you know, difficult. They often have a lot of trouble with their relationships uh, inside the home and outside the home. Oh, wow. Thank you for explaining that. It says here, narcissistic behavior um, types, right? What are the different types that you've seen? Some of them uh, kind of have similar traits, but they will differ, you know, um, a little bit. The first one is the covert. So basically with the covert, the behavior is like more subtle. Um, you won't see it too much. They don't behave loudly. It's not someone that you recognize like, oh my God, they have narcissism. It's kind of like um, they feel like fragile, vulnerable, right? They become the victims. Everything is still about them, uh, but they're wanting the praise from others. I'm like, oh, I'm doing horribly at this. And, you know, you have the friend or the parent. No, you you're a good parent you're doing good like you're great they, they still need that admiration but mm-hmm. it's like more of us a backhanded compliment saying what they're needing they're maybe considered introvert they also have difficulties taking criticism but there is this sense of always playing the victim this is kind of like the highlight at that they put the blame on everyone else right mm-hmm. um and and the core of it is they also have poor self-esteem they might not like really mean 
mean it? Like, are they doing it on purpose? It's not that they don't mean it. It's just that they, if, when you play a role of a victim for so long, that's what you believe. You feel like everything is owed to you and you feel like I'm, I'm always this, you know, fragile person. I need to be rescued. And it's the job of everyone else to do that for me. Oh, very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about like, some other types? Yes, of course. So the next one, I would call it the communal. Uh, this one is kind of a strong morality. They're very black and white. Like they have this regimen of thinking this is how things should be and anything besides that you know they're gonna they're gonna act out and they're gonna let you know about it they may seem like oh very generous like for example they're such a good person they may be part of a community or a group or they may be part of a religious activity and they'll be like oh they're like great people and anything um but at the same time they're overcompensating mm -hmm. anything that may look different to them they would be like a completely average there's not anything in between their values are very altruistic so there is a reason of why they're doing that let me show this you know how much of a great person i am within my community but because they're also seeking that type of validation and recognition from others it's not like, you know, there's a thing of like, when you do something good, a kind, you know, an act of kindness is like you do it on the hideout, no? But right, these yeah. people want to be recognized. Oh, he does so much good for the community or for the church or for this, you know, group. And, and they just, it's mostly the attention that they're seeking. Do you think that a narcissistic person would be able to tell that they're a narcissistic person? Well, I don't think so because this is just part of their personality. In their mind, they feel like I am a great member of this society or of this group or of this community. So they don't feel like as they're doing something else. Underneath every a, any type of narcissism is just kind of the need of you know validation it's very not talked about but a narcissistic you know on the core value of themselves they did not have their needs met usually on their upbringing so how did they did that is kind of a manifestation of now i'm going to figure out because my needs were not met how can i do it so others can fulfill those needs so that's why we talk a lot about like be, them being taking the energy of, of others mm -hmm. you know and when that person is no longer usable for that energy supply, they dispose of them and they go and look for them. So it's mainly more, more like how they grew up, right? Yeah. Everything has to do with biological and environment, you know, mm. it is like people often want to say, well, it's in your genes. Yes, absolutely. But it's also the environment. Maybe one sibling had a different support group, you know, different friends with their parents and they kind of take them in and they help them or they had that, you know, teacher that put the support. If we don't have like a replica, even if we were siblings, we have different environments, how we were supported and the things that we kind of got exposed to is the other child got exposed to even let's talk about abuse physical or sexual anything like that they may have triggered other things makes sense let's say you believe you know someone who's a narcissist how would you be able to know for sure it's not like you could confront them right it usually doesn't work, you know, because everything about the narcissist and is deflecting responsibility or they, they're very bad at taking ownership of anything that everyone is feeling or doing or they're doing to them. That's just not how it works. We're talking about the lack of empathy. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have empathy for others, it's very different for me to sit down with my feelings of what am I doing for those uh, that are around me. I do want to cover the last type i think the most important is also the malignant so mm -hmm. this one is kind of like the most severe type of narcissism uh some even researchers think that they can be a mix uh, with antisocial personality their behavior just get aggravated they get intensified mm -hmm. so some of them would be a lot of conflict arguments uh maybe sometimes even looking you know some aggressiveness or even criminal behavior just like very expanded kind of type of behavior you're gonna see more of like a, a reactive towards the people it's gonna be cycling more into the relationship let's think about the cover right or the community where, where we don't have, you know, there's not many signs. There's very like misguided, right? If you know that someone stalks in, they're hitting you, they're doing something that's more of kind of like shown and you're going to be more self-aware of that. But that's why they cycle through uh, relationships faster. Since you just touched upon it, um, just so people understand, can you define what antisocial personality disorder is? 
Yes, antisocial personality disorder is just another spectrum. They don't have regards for others. They have violent or aggressive behaviors. And um, sometimes it's because, you know, we're talking more of acute uh, diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as when someone we're talking about, you know, masterminds of people that do crimes. Mm -hmm. We're talking like that, something like that. It's kind of a mixture of that, you know, it's representative of like no regard at all for anyone, but but it becomes into a a more of an aggressive and violent um, kind of behavior. If I understand correctly, would the difference be between narcissistic people and antisocial personality disorder be the violence? Yeah, it can be the violence and then just the impulsiveness, you know, of, of mm-hmm. their behaviors and, and the ways that they do. Like it can be like actually finding pleasure in making others hurt. Whereas a narcissistic may still cause pain, but they not necessarily find pleasure. Some of them may do, but for the most part, they don't even are aware of the damage or the pain that they're causing others. Thank you for explaining the difference. Okay, next part that we have here is the symptoms, causes, and impacts in the members of the family. That's a handful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a handful <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, of things or symptoms or, you know, that are affecting the family. And I think a lot of them are unseen, right? Because, uh, like I said, a lot of them is a lot of emotional uh, of abuse because a lot of the parents, when they're narcissistic, they're going to be unavailable neglectful and abusive and when you think about it let's just open it out there but if there's not that much of physical abuse right if we go to cps or someone they're gonna be like oh no they're taking care all your needs are need taken right. care of you have a house you're going to school you're doing good but there's it's kind of like this invisible still pain that the child is carrying that is just it's really hard to one proof and to even talk about it because it's like that's all on you you should be like you're responsible your feelings why are you feeling like this mm-hmm. so we go kind of through the gaslighting and stuff like that the gaslighting and stuff yes. i remember this one time um not to get too personal about me but my mom said this really really intense thing where she said i was like maybe seven or eight she said i want to kill you and then my aunt would come into the room and she'd be like she didn't mean it you know but she would have these bouts of like being very intense verbally and emotionally but everyone around me would just like she didn't mean it and Mm -hmm. I was like at a young age that's very confusing for a child you know so if you were to talk about that opinion it's kind of invisible for others because we minimize it in more in our society or latina culture it's like oh no 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 they didn't mean it or they know best you just you're not getting it there when you get older you understand why that was said to you yeah, so and we it's get crazy. we get re-victimized, you know, one by the pain the mom caused, but two either by our community or our families, extended families, kind of uh, accepting and normalizing that type of behavior. At least from my experience, I feel like some people or or family members would try to normalize it to not cut off ties or upset that one person. Yes, yeah. Latinas families sometimes we are hard with putting boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. or speaking up against, you know, other family members because it's like, no, we have this very heavy, which it's beautiful. It's the beautiful thing that we have yeah. as a Latina family, having this sense of community of helping each other and being there, the support and the love. But it can also go the other way where it's, you know, overwhelming, overbearing, codependency and in this type of, uh, of dynamics that are sometimes not very healthy. Right. And also not understanding mental health as much either, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I listed about seven effects or the takes that the children carry, you know, adult children or young children that they carry when they are um, having to deal, you know, with the narcissistic uh, parent. One of them that I think is that's the most important is that love is thought to be conditioned. So mm-hmm. with that, it's like you do what I want. You get recognition, validation, my love, my support. You stop not doing what I need or what I want or what I'm expected of you, then I'm going to take that love. So we start learning very early that I have to please my parents. I have to make sure that if they're not doing well, let me look at their features. You know what? They're getting upset. I'm going to start cleaning up and doing everything I can so I, I don't get in trouble or maybe mommy's not doing good and then let me let me attend to her emotional needs so when we start doing this there's a lot of neglect not only from the parents because that love is taken away from us but from ourselves when we don't prioritize our needs when we don't prioritize what is important to us so 
this in the long run, you know, we, we can expect some anxiety or even depression if, if we have created and being, you know, raised with this type of unconditional love that, that it does not exist because everything is conditional on what you're doing for, for the parent. The second point, you know, is that because everything is about the narcissistic parent, it becomes like, oh my God, my needs are not met. I feel unseen, unheard, not important. I feel like I'm kind of this invisible person. And it only, yeah, a lot of shows up when you want to say, when does narcissism, you know, present is when not everything is about them. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, like, for example, in the weddings or graduation or birthdays, that's usually when there's more trouble because now the narcissistic parent is not getting that attention, right? So it's like, they sometimes will go and ruin, oh, you shouldn't wear that because te ves gordita, you know? Or maybe, yeah, you, you, you're graduating, but it's not, you need to go get your master's. Or I mean, you need to do this, or it's not good enough. Kind of that importance of you celebration from that special event is got kind of get taken away from you. That actually triggered a memory. I've, been, I've seen a lot of like, um, I guess, memes and reels of like, when the mother-in-law comes to the wedding in a white dress right would that be like kind of similar or does that just like jealousy of like well well you know it could be jealousy but a lot of the times when everything is about the parents and and we're talking about narcissistic parent in this uh, example Mm -hmm. everything's about them so there would be a lot of competition so in between like a son and a a father would be like who's making more money who has more you know Mm -hmm. uh, or things and with the mother it's like also about figure like Mm -hmm. they they start getting botox or they start doing this stuff you know because we have to attain our children it's all about me yeah, you know, or the wedding person getting married has a, a, a dress, and then mom is doing this extravagant thing for you know another dress or stuff like that. It's kind of like this need of outshine their children. Yeah, no, I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's interesting because I I've seen that that meme so often, and I'm just like, what is it with these mother in laws? But um, it's very interesting to me. So let's say. An example for anyone who's listening or struggling with something like this, if they have a big event like a graduation, a wedding or whatever, would a good course of action to keep peace of mind for themselves not invite that per- um, that person or that parent? It's a very, very personal, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's very hard for us to see because of so many different even when we talk about narcissistic parents we we have to put into consideration our cultures or rules you know sometimes spirituality because that is going to be your value it's very hard for say what is one right or wrong um um answer but i think if if this has been a recurring theme where your events have been kind of pushed aside or or there's some type of drama happening or things happening so maybe keep the details you know the the biggest things that you can do with the narcissistic is not engage and not provide that energy level you know that material that can be taken out of context or be used against you so maybe say oh i think the graduation is around this time i don't know what i'm wearing i don't Mm -hmm. like very kind of like you know not a lot of details and then you go in and going about your event if you were to be a wedding then maybe involving mommy into a specific project that doesn't have to have that intimate interaction with you you know like your makeup getting ready your dress or stuff Mm. like that just kind of like not putting them into things that can hurt you or that can kind of be used against you um, on a later time very smart I love that example because it is hard for our culture to just cut people off and I also have been seeing this recently too someone talked about this and I want to talk about it more on my social media platform as well about how in our community, in Latino community, it's not talking about being estranged from your parent, all right? Or being estranged because it could be narcissistic parents or just different, different reasons. What are your thoughts on that? I guess, what would you say to someone who's contemplating like cutting off their parent or setting strong boundaries with their parents? The toxic or a narcissistic parent, that's not going to go very well because they're you're taking their supply, you're taking the energy and you're making them accountable for something that they don't want to be accountable for. So is you're going to have to be very strong in your convictions of what you want to do it, right? It's absolutely, for I, I seen it on, in some of my clients, it's going to be 100% necessary because of the type of of pain and damage and you know mental health how much is hurting your mental health to keep them around so if you have made the decision you know just set uh boundaries 
But the most important thing is being consistent with them. Because if I say, I'm not going to give you access to me if you continue to do A, B, C, D, but then sometimes I don't follow up with that, Mm -hmm. then I'm inconsistent. So they know that like, oh, she's not going to follow through. Right. No, I love that. I say that all the time to everybody <laughs> I talk to, my clients. I'm like, you have to follow through with the boundary. Like, if you don't, they are not going to take you seriously. Like you said, it's not really talked about in the community. And I know it's really hard for certain people. Um, but I'm glad that it's starting to be talked about on- online. I guess there's um, some sort of shame when it comes to talking about that in the Latino community, because we're supposed to be that close, tight, knit community. We're like, we want to... Um, be our parents retirement plan and do everything for them and like maybe at one point you did and that was a wonderful dream I know I did but then when you get older you realize that certain things are not not well or are toxic I have a couple more points if you're okay yes. with me yeah. I was gonna ask <laughs> for... if you had any more points for symptoms and causes so yes go ahead okay so the next one is you know because there is this kind of abandonment by the parent on the children's needs there we start talking about your identity. Who am I without my parent? Who am mm. I without wanting to do what my parent wants and pleasing them? What values or what things interest me? And then kind of one, figuring out to after you figure out is follow through because they may not like that person you're becoming, right? So it's kind of this a lot of struggle of your identity of how I feel, what I need, um, and also what do I want to be outside the parental unit, you know, mm. even as an adult, because there's so many expectations. So kind of defining your self-identity and having the awareness of saying, this is what I want, even if it's not what my parents want, is such a conflicted one that a, a, a child of narcissistic parent has to go through. The next one that um, I don't see a lot online is the child having, you know, and when I say child, I'm talking about the adult child. Yeah, you the know? adult <laughs> child. <laughs> Not but the babies. <laughs> in that boom, I mean, they have to go through it. That's where True, we started. Yes. But yeah. yeah, I usually refer to the adult. When you have to witness other people being hurt. I don't mm-hmm. hear this a lot, but it's like, that's when you start because the narcissistic does not have really good relationship with others. Mm-hmm. You start kind of normalizing how people get discarded if they are not doing what they want. So we're talking about people start getting talked. You're witnessing the narcissistic parent talking poorly about others, overreacting when there's criticism, passive aggressive behaviors, you know, when of like, oh, let me use people. Let me, this this is a good person that you should date because they have money, because they have, Mm. you know, this degree and stuff like that, or being jealous if, if you don't have something. And then just kind of the the learning of the manipulation, you know, and how to get away with the things that you want is something that you, you know, because you have this idea of saying, this is my parent, I love them, you know, and when you're an adult child is something very difficult to accept that the person you love can do that to others. And then you start kind of like, not understanding why they're my parent, they're supposed to be, we have this image of what we want them to be. And then we can also see how others are getting hurt in the way, you know, and it can be other family members, other aunts, or uncles. And then it just puts you in a position of like, I know it's wrong, but I can't go against my father or my mother, you know, it gets very complex. Would you say that some behaviors might be learned by the narcissistic parent, but that doesn't make you a narcissistic person? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're coming to the awareness of like, wait, what am I doing this? You know, I think the most important thing, and and that's a part of this is kind of having the fear. What if I am like with my parents? And I often tell my clients, yes, you have learned from the best, Mm -hmm. you know, how to gaslight, how to take advantage of people, how to manipulate. But the fact that you're sitting here contemplating and having the self-awareness of the power that you can have, but you still are electing to figure out what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. That's already like the break point that they're not going to be able to sit with that you are doing different. Knowing that you have, it can be your child now, you know, if you are an adult child and you have your own children or you have, you know, your significant other or you have your friends of, and saying, okay, wait, I am holding their hearts. I'm holding their lives. And why would I want to hurt them? Why would I not want to take accountability? Why would I not want to go to therapy or do what I need to do, you know, to heal from this so it doesn't get passed on? That just speaks volume. So there's hope, guys. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Love that. Is there anything else you want to add with like the symptoms and causes and impact um, in the family? 
I think overall, it's just the family dynamics. You know, there's a lot of information I have seen that gets put out, but I just wanted to go through it a little bit of how it looks. So in the family system, there's this type of dynamics and roles that um, kind of unconsciously they start getting picked up, you know, um, and, and that's because we want to create some type of normalcy, even with the family dynamics, very toxic or very chaotic. We have the narcissistic, obviously. So we're going to put a member, either father, mother, or you can be even the sibling, right? But we're talking about parents in, in this um in this example so they are going to be kind of again kind of the center of the family like the you know the main thing that's going to hold it together and then we have the enabler and for mm -hmm. the enabler we usually have a father or a mother you know that yeah. it, that they see what they um the family is going through, but they are not speaking up. They're making excuses. You know, they're kind of like the servants or the the person that is going to say yes, yes mm -hmm. to everything, you know, like, oh, they're going to go along with the manipulation. They're sometimes going to help, you know, the narcissistic of like, I just push it aside. They didn't mean that, you know, when we were talking about this or saying like, no, you can't be mad at mom or you can't be that at your dad. Like he's really trying, he's providing or we're making excuses. It just kind of continues to reinforce that unhealthy behavior by the narcissistic parent. And then we have the golden child. The golden child is the one that is like the mold of the narcissistic parent. So it's like the chosen one, right? Because even doesn't have to be true, but they are like, yeah. oh, they're intelligent. All their qualities, look, they're great mm. with, with people, with women, with friends, with money, with careers. And it's just kind of a representation of what the narcissistic wants as a family. Um, mm. And it's kind of like the chosen one. It doesn't mean that they're good or healthy or, yeah. you know, but that's the kind of like the, the the chosen one by the narcissistic so that is what is going to be the example for the other siblings to follow i definitely think i was the golden child um if you walk into my parents house the whole wall is covered with all my awards and stuff and certificates and i only got so many because i wanted to please both my parents and they had such high standards then there's like another big picture frame of a family photo and it's like that allure of like we have mm -hmm. a perfect family we are yada yada like look at my daughter she is going to be a lawyer like I think because of that I broke out of that dynamic and I didn't go to law school and stuff mm -hmm. but exactly like that I feel so bad for my siblings because my brothers are always compared to me and I tell them now I tell them like do what you love do what you like no pressure as long as you're sustainable and living a happy life at that point at this point that is amazing um, don't feel pressured by mom or dad, but um, those are also very important values. I instill in them now. But yeah, when you said that, I was like, damn it, I think I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of guilt because I can see that you do have bills for, you know, for something that you didn't even ask for. Yeah. You were yeah. just trying to survive the family dynamics. You were trying to, you know, overcompensate to make sure everyone was put in peace and stuff like that. But I'm sure that now that you left, there's a replacement for you. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's definitely my, I have a younger sister and that's five and uh, she's like her whole world there. She does everything right. And she's just like her princess and I'm happy for them. Um, I love that for them, but um, it's a different story because she's autistic. So um, that's why she's the new golden child. But yeah, whenever I would walk into the house, my friends would be like, oh my God, Jess, you have so many awards. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, can we not talk about that right now? I don't, this is not even for me. Um, okay. But yeah, since I moved out, the new golden child is my little sister. She is the world because she's so precious and beautiful and perfect. And, you know, she's living her best life because she doesn't even know what's going on. I know that she doesn't have too much internalized pressure because yeah. of her condition as well. And the thing that they don't talk about the golden child, you know, because people think that you asked to be in that position, but a lot of times you didn't. Mm -hmm. And it comes with the whole pressure of like, wait, I'm doing so great. Why am I not feeling well? Why mm -hmm. am I not feeling like mom actually loves me? Why do I feel like this emptiness? Why I feel like I don't have a sense of myself? Like a lot of times, like I say, they're not, they're, they didn't choose to be in that position. So there's a lot of feels of guilt of not living the way that people are representing your life to be. Do you understand? Right. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And I'm sure a lot of other people will resonate. Maybe like, I see a lot of um, either the first daughter or the eldest daughter that feels this pressure and stuff. I have friends who felt it. I know a lot of people online talk about it. So 
I know they're going to resonate a lot with it. Yeah. And there's also this thing of like, when you're so high, you also get so low. We'll talk about the scapegoat. But like, if you're the golden child, you have never been in trouble. So you don't even know what it feels like to be mm. in trouble. You don't feel like you don't know what it is to disappoint. That's why you're doing that's why you're overdoing it and yeah. overachieving and over, you know, so kind of going from that high to that low is going to feel very, very, very much like a lot overwhelming sometimes for that golden child, you know, to kind of change the role or even get removed themselves from the family unit. Yeah, it's definitely an overwhelming process. And um, it's it's hard without support um, or without a therapist, I think. Um, you definitely have to go through that with a professional and with a good support system. And then when you do disappoint, it hits so hard more than usual, right? It's like mm-hmm. an abnormal, like overwhelm. Yeah. So the scapegoat, you know, for those that don't know, is kind of like the chosen one, but the chosen on the other extreme, Mm -hmm. the one that always gets blamed for the always the one that's not doing things well, the one that is, you know, kind of going off the rails from the family is kind of the one that is disappointing or the cause of the problem why the family is not working. So with them, you know, usually they are always in trouble. They feel like they don't belong in their family, like they have created they have this sense of knowing a little bit more of themselves. That's why they're departing from the family. Mm. But it does not mean that it's easy for them because they're usually the only person standing up to the whole unit. So mom, the enabler, you know, the narcissist, the parent or mother, and then the, the enabler and to the golden child. So they're like, they're kind of going through this by themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's hard. Is it possible for the golden child to also be the scapegoat or vice versa? Yeah, there's not there's not a set feature where you can't change from one to the other. And then we lastly, we have the invisible child. And this is, you know, the <laughs> <That's> way- <so sad. laughs> yes, this one is that they, they know that there is something wrong, you know, but they don't want to be called like the bad one and they don't want to be overachieving. So they kind of go on their own. They do their own thing. They're within the norms of the narcissistic parent. They're just not getting up or down you know they're not overachieving or getting in a lot of trouble or not like um opposing a lot of the parent but they kind of often get overlooked they feel like be- and the parent feels like it doesn't serve me a purpose because you're not giving me anything to get excited or you're not giving me anything to get mad about you know so mm-hmm. kind of they're left out and sometimes they are uh but they carry a lot of trauma too because it's it's kind of like feeling like left out maybe yeah absolutely left out so and then we have the flying monkeys and this can be siblings or it can be aunts or cousins or anyone like that that it kind of goes into alliance you know with the parents or um and these are people that are going to get information so once you you acknowledge your family is not doing good and you know your narcissistic parents are kind of hurting you or that and you're wanting to step away and you're putting those boundaries then we have the, the flying monkeys those cousins siblings they're going to be like have you reached out to mom you know mom is not doing good like there's these different yeah. people that are going to be coming and want to kind of pull you back into the family unit mm-hmm. or get information for the narcissistic parent Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of those as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask this earlier, but I'm going to mention that now before I forget. You mentioned excuses earlier and the excuse of like, but that's your mother or but that's your father. Um, For me, that was a very heavy thing because it was very confusing. Like, oh, yeah, that is my mother. She carried me for nine months, but they're doing all these things to me. How can you battle and get yourself to understand that it's okay that even though that is your parent, um you're allowed to set boundaries like i said it's going to be very very different um and very difficult you know for the scapegoat will be like a little bit easier because they were always the one that was not accepted not done you know and they already feel like this sense of disappointment that they have carried you know throughout um but at the same time it's going to be hard because you have to have a good sense of yourself Mm. and that comes you know when i go in through the actual effects of the children that are going to be facing is going to be really hard because a lot of this has to come with a sense of who am I you know and 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 you have gone through so much gaslighting that you don't even know the reality you don't know if the things that you're feeling they're real or not you know and then you compare it to other experiences with other parents and they're like oh but they're having a great time with their parents you know or mother days or father's days comes in and everyone is this you know super socialized and think of like how much you're giving mom and how much you're celebrating them and then you have this guilt and, and kind of isolation of sitting with yourself 
when you're making the decisions to put a distance or setting boundaries with them. It's a very complex thing to have to deal with. I was going to say, I think it's interesting because when it comes to those big holidays and stuff, I feel like for the child, whether they're children now or they're adult children, and they're the only ones not playing into the family dynamic and the cultura and the closeness, I feel like they're the only ones who could see the family for who they are and everybody else is behind the glass um, pretending everything's okay. And like you said, that could be very, very lonely and very confusing. And that could create, you know, kind of a self of guilt because we were raised to be like, you better honor your your father and your mother. You better respect them. What they say is is for the better of you. Like they're doing this because they care for you. They're doing Mm -hmm. this because they love you. They're doing this because they know better. So we, we get sometimes stuck with this image of saying hi but they don't know me better they want me better but I doesn't feel good yeah. I'm not doing good they don't even know how this is hurting me right so yeah. I think it's just with the sense of a good uh, support group or even if it's outside the home kind of finding identifying those people that can be safe outside the home you know either through a mentor or a friend you know a family of other friends that you can feel like okay this feels like it's for the most part safe and it is healthy going in there you can still uh celebrate those right. important men or women in your life but they don't necessarily have to be your own parents very nice finding that chosen family right absolutely yeah. awesome anything else you'd like to add before we move yeah. on to the next glitch Sure. Uh, So I'm like, what are the results, you know, or the impacts of interpersonal functioning or relationships? How does this affect, you know, the adult children? Well, obviously, we are dealing with a lot of low self-esteem, some insecurities. We are also uh, dealing with trust issues in relationships. And I see this a lot. If I can't trust my parent, which is like the highest form of relationship that we did have, how am I going to be able to create this bonds with friends or with a significant other? You know, why are people going to be nice to me without having an agenda or wanting to get something like so um, trust issues is going to be, you know, very highlighted, a lot of self-doubt, you know, a lot of needing validation from other sometimes uh, codependency or creating kind of similar patterns with new relationships or wanting to be this kind of perfectionism or having the opposite of kind of self-destructive tendencies, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, trouble setting boundaries not only with obviously your parents but with others in other fields it can be in your career it can be while you're doing um, other things or maintaining friendships and kind of this difficulty of expressing feelings sometimes because we have repressed our emotions for so long we don't even have the ability to cry or to feel it's kind of this numbness of like I I know I feel it but I don't know how to express it or verbalize it and also uh, like I said it just creating maybe um this um unknown sense of uh of self and then um obviously it can also affect your mental health you know with long-term effects all these things like I just want to reiterate to anybody who's listening like um seek a professional always go to a therapist because this takes a lot of work um to go through and you can't just go to like a friend or a mentor like this needs to be done professionally yeah absolutely so when we talk about treatment it's still kind of a new field that's the thing with therapists and i'm sure this is why you decided to do uh your business of of helping people connect with the right therapist is because you know we are gonna have to have our own ideologies and 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 ways of treatment if you are dealing with you know with a narcissistic parent you want to make sure that you're coming across with someone that is going to validate your experience because if they do not have the or they're not exposed to this type of you know training they they can be sometimes unfortunately doing some damage because they're not they don't have experience with it so I think it's very important for you to find and if you find one and it's not the right fit then keep on looking right you we have to be your best advocate but I'm glad that you're providing this type of services so you can alleviate people <laughs> from having to go through so many therapists and find no, the right yeah. one thank you I appreciate it because like I've been there I've done that and it's hard to find someone who specializes and there you also go through like research fatigue and stuff because you just go through so many they don't answer you you're on a wait list or they're just not good you know um but thank you that's why I love what I do I think that there is a right therapist for everybody um it just sucks that insurance limits us a little bit where there's a will there's a way for sure 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, so part of the therapies that you want to be able to find is like having like good, um, whatever old co coping mechanisms you were using to survive, you know, the family and, and the crisis that you were going through, we have to kind of learn new ones to be able to replace those, you know, because uh, naturally, we're going to want to revert into that, you know, like people pleasing or not saying your what your needs are, and like going into wanting to save other people and stuff like that so it's very important to kind of identify the ones that did not serve us and also identify the ones that we can replace them with and just learn a lot about healthy relationships how to communicate uh, sometimes assertively you know because mm -hmm. it's important what you have to say and it's very valid in your point of view and in your values and also just kind of a lot of attachment and you know of the different type of attachments and so on and just acceptance right we we have like a special treatment that is we call it radical acceptance and it's just kind of accepting things for how they are we're not going to be able to change your narcissistic parent and usually people say what if they go to therapy yes they can learn coping skills but if we don't have that empathy or that self-awareness then how are they going to be able to gain what they can from therapy. So sometimes the best thing that we can do is just accept things for how they are and then decide how we're going to be able to move forward. Yeah. And I know that's not the answer a lot of people want to hear. It's kind of like, we like, what? Um, but it's true, like trying to get someone like that to accept that there is a problem. The first step, that's virtually impossible. <laughs> it's very hard for someone like that. And then for them to actually go to therapy and take it seriously. That's a whole nother thing as well. Are there therapists for narcissistic people? Is that like a big field? Or is it still a very small field or not? Existing? No, there's two of like my, um, so one is Dr. Romani, mm -hmm. and she's like the specialist of, you know, of narcissism. Um, and then we have um, in YouTube, we call it's called mental illness. And this individual has actually been um, diagnosed with narcissism. And he oh, wow. tells her from his own experience. He has been in therapy for an extended uh, period of time. I like his account and, and to see it because of therapy, he has created some awareness. He's still maybe, you know, very liable wanting to do and, and, and behave the way he does. Mm -hmm. But now he has the awareness because uh, of, of saying, oh, I'm wanting to do this. So it gives you a different perspective of the actual person that, wow. you know, that has narcissism and how he goes about, you know, relationship, children's parenting and other aspects and so on. That's amazing. I need to look at that <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm really excited to hear that because that means that in a few years, it's going to be, um, more of them will, will go to therapy and it'll be normalized and they won't feel like they're attacked, right? Because I feel like that's one of the things they feel attacked when those things are brought up. So that's exciting. That's awesome. So the next bullet here we have is healing and unresolved grief for, I'm assuming is the um, adult children or children listening. Yes. That's when a, a complex and I, I kind of told you, it, it takes like a whole new podcast <laughs> to do this because right. it's just so complex, you know, because we have the sense of loss and it's very difficult to lose someone that is still living because, you know, you can technically go running and be present with them, but, you know, because of what they hurt you and when you start validating and acknowledging everything that has happened, you kind of are having to choose yourself. And that doesn't come really easy for a child of a narcissistic parent because we still have love and, you know, respect and everything for, for that parent, but we're choosing or healing over the parent. So that is going to come with a lot of complications when it comes to grieving because we're going to have, you know, obviously the parent that is not going to be okay with it. We're going to have the enabler, the other maybe parent that is also very upset that you're doing this putting boundaries or setting a distance we have now the relationships that you have lost with your siblings because you're not in common in contact with that narcissistic parent mm -hmm. and then anyone else or all the flying monkeys or the other extended family that you so we're not talking about just the loss of one person we're talking about the loss of the extended family unit you know mm -hmm. um, and also the loss of yourself, of the perception of what you wanted and you had desire as a family or as a child to receive from your parents. Mm -hmm. So it gets very, very complicated. It kind of touches the different parts of you. Right. No, and it's definitely very hard when you lose a whole family. Absolutely. You have to grieve. You have to grieve. There's no healing without grieving because we are losing. 
we're losing the family we wanted and we're losing so many, like I say, so many relationships and everything. And I think the first time we want to do is like, obviously what we're doing. We want to bring this to the awareness. We want to advocate, you know, and then start kind of working through the process of, of the grieving. So, but I think the first one is through awareness and just um, sitting uh, with our feelings and kind of attending to them and saying, okay, there's something that, you know, is pulling, even as you're hearing this podcast, it's something that is coming or I'm starting to feel things. So let, let me do more research and, and start kind of making attempts of, of getting help or figuring out, you know, what's my next step when it comes to my family and getting some type of healing through this. I think one of the things that I would focus on is, you know, um, I do a lot of inner child uh, work with my clients and in reparenting and for those that don't know what that is I always say that we do carry the wounds of our, when we're children I always say to my clients but I feel like we're all children just walking in adult bodies <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> we didn't ask for that to be broken but we do now as adults have you know the obligation to ourselves to say okay um, this is what happened and what are we going to do about it? Let's go ahead and take care of ourselves. You know, as a child, you have so many limitations. You can't just get your car and leave the family. You know, you're right. completely dependent of your family. But as the adult, you can now take that initiative and saying, okay, I need to talk to specialists. I need to find safe relationships. I can, you know, uh, sit with my feelings. I can acknowledge what I have gone through. And I can also provide myself with the things that I need. It's very important for us to identify what needs we did not get met when we we were children that's kind of the hole that we feel you know as a person sometimes and kind of saying how can I attend to those needs now as an adult that would be kind of both right the inner child healing and the reparenting right absolutely very nice and can you just you don't have to explain them can you just list off the um other ways of healing there are some support groups or community groups that are available that they may prompt you know with journaling with doing things as a group and they can provide also information you want to just make sure that it's someone that's licensed or they has you know a very strong background because sometimes since narcissism is kind of like the you know, the trending theme. So uh, people unfortunately may be taking advantage of this. But if you see that someone is has a specialty or they have something very based and evidence-based as a support group or community group, then you can maybe join on that. Um, there is a lot of meditation, you know, grounding that you can do for yourself kind of to calm your nervous system because as a narcissistic child, you're, you're all overstimulated for the most part, you know? So learning how to calm your nervous system, how to be grounding, how to be present, and how to be uh, staying here in the moment uh, without getting too attached to the fear of what's going to happen in the future mm -hmm. or we know the oh, oh, with the sadness of everything that you have gone through. It's kind of one of the important things of staying present. And then obviously educating yourself, you know, through reading uh, books or listening to podcasts or, or finding resources. Thank you so much. I, I think we did a wonderful job covering everything. <laughs> and for anyone who's curious, Melissa is a therapist and a mental health coach. Do you want to give a little bit of your um, information on both in case anyone listening wants to get in touch with you? Yes, of course. I try to be in everything, you know, YouTube, uh, but I'm in Instagram, uh, mental health in color. That's uh, my uh, username. And then my phone number is 813-508-8826. And then I can provide, you know, any therapy services or advice through social media, but you guys can, I do offer free consultations just to uh, provide you with uh, information about my services, or even I'll recommend you other providers that uh, I may not be able to help you, but I can send recommendations and so on. Awesome. And you're based in Texas, right? Yes. Based in Texas. So therapy, um, I can see anyone in the state of Texas. Awesome. And for mental health coaching, you're doing um, anyone in the States, right? Yes. Awesome. And for anyone who doesn't understand the difference, do you mind explaining what the difference is? Yeah. So um, therapy is through licensing through the state of Texas. So that would be me having the ability to provide a diagnosis, you know, follow a treatment and follow up with any other, you know, uh, professional. So I may uh, send recommendations to see a specialist or a psychiatrist or a primary doctor to make sure that we are able to collaborate when we're seeing more of the depression or anxiety and sometimes medication would be uh, needed. I can do that. Um, when it comes to mental health coaching, it's more talking about specific goals that you want to achieve. Maybe you want to focus just on your boundaries, right? Or you want to identify what boundaries do you want, or you want to 
uh, identify what your values are. Wonderful. Thank you so much for explaining the difference. I know some people are very confused by the two. The last thing we have here are any recommendations for books, podcasts, or movies and shows? Yes. So uh, books, there's so many. I will send you a list. But there is like Healing the Adult Children of Narcissism. We have Will I Ever Be Good? The Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. Uh, we have The Emotionally Absent Mother. And then we have Whole Healing. We have a lot of them. So I will send them to yeah. you. Uh, but if you want to uh, get information, like I say, Dr. Ramini, uh, she's in YouTube. She has a podcast and also mental healthness. Nice. Thank you so much. If you send it to me, I'll put it in the description. But one last question that kind of just came to my head. Are most narcissistic parents mothers? I don't know exactly, you know, the research, because some research, but it's sometimes outdated. They have listed men to be most uh, likely to be narcissistic. There's so much research to be done still, because we're talking about primary ethnicities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And also the studies, how they were presented. I think it can be either or. I don't think there's a prevalence. I mean, you'll see it through parents, either both male or female. Okay, okay. I was just curious, because when you were naming the books, I was like, I have seen mainly it's like the narcissistic mother books. So thank you for explaining. Before (laughs) we end, what is one piece of advice you want to leave for anyone listening? I just want to install the hope, you know, I know this is all overwhelming. I know it feels like for the longest time, even if you're hearing this for the first time, or maybe you have done your research and you came across the channel in, in the in the actual video or podcast, it's just for you to know that what you're feeling is real. You don't have to, you know, second guess yourself no more. And I hope that you find the community that can come with you so you can feel supported so you can go and take the next step in your healing journey yay thank you so much thank you so much for listening to the journey with jess thank you for listening to this episode with journey with jess i hope you loved it as much as i did please give this episode five stars if you learned something new and if you loved it new episodes roll out every tuesday 10 p.m est please share this i think melissa shared so much educational information that will help so many people she has left us recommendations on podcasts and books down in the description below please take a look at it if you need her assistance or if you're in texas she also left her contact information down below she is very wonderful so thank you again for listening to journey with test bye